The scripture this morning is from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. Hey, well, I feel like after Alicia's sharing and that wonderful report, we could say a prayer and go home. Man, that was good. Can we thank Alicia one more time for coming out and just praising God for what he's doing? Oh. Just having you part of our morning prayer, my heart was already filled up, and then hearing all that, man, God is so good. Well, I'm excited to get into our new Christmas series with you today. Uh, you know, I always love this time of year. It feels like in our area, people are putting up Christmas, tree, Christmas trees and the lights on their homes earlier and earlier. I feel like this year is happening like well before Thanksgiving. I think people are like after a couple of really challenging years, just like, can we celebrate Christmas already? You know, we could use the peace, we could use the hope, the joy, which really is what the true Christmas is ultimately about. So we're going to lean into that over the next few weeks with our new series, Tis the Season. Today is also really special in that it is Impact Sunday. We are launching Impact 2022. My word. And we're really excited about that. We're going to give you an opportunity and we're going to invite you into that. And in the same breath, I want to also say no pressure. Uh, the way we've always looked at this as we think about this end of the year initiative where we give uh, to, uh, such that we want to increase our impact beyond these walls, we always have seen this as something we get to do. So if this is not a we get to do type feeling for you, that's a okay, you, it, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, today, we're going to talk about that and look at what this means, what's the, what the heart is behind this initiative, and really talk about really what the, the, the meaning of Christmas ultimately is about. Even as we read in that last text, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Today, we're going to be talking about the gift of giving. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul is reading, re, uh, writing to the early church in Corinth, Greece, a church that had decided that they wanted to give to meet a need back in Jerusalem. What had happened at the time is a severe famine had ravaged the Jerusalem area such that the church there was really struggling. There's a lot of poor Christians just trying to make ends meet. Well, these Corinthians, along with some other churches in the area, decided, hey, we want to commit to meet that need. We want to, you know, not just meet the needs in our church and, and in our area, which they were doing, but we want to meet that need over there. And here in this part of this letter, Paul writes in response to that, commending them in their generosity. 
And what we have in front of us is ways in which our giving has impact. So that's what we're going to look at today. Three ways specifically our giving has impact. So let me pray and then, and then we'll jump in. Father, we do want to just say thank you for uh, who you are and what you've done. Uh, this wonderful season with, with the hope with the peace, with the joy, with the love that's just kind of in the air, so to speak, is ultimately from you and the greatest gift of you sending your son into this world. We do recognize, as Alicia so you know, wisely put before us to be praying about, that for, that for many this time of year, it's actually, it's actually a harder time because it's a time of, of recognizing loss or pain or lack or whatever the case might be. And so I want to pray alongside that and just pray for, yes, the homeless, pray for, for everybody where this time of year is a little bit harder, that you would especially meet them, even if they're here today, where they are. Would you, would you take them into your warm embrace and give them your supernatural peace and love and joy and warmth? And Father, as we turn now to your word, would you please, as ever, give us your spirit to understand what it is you have in front of us as we consider the gift of giving. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so three ways specifically uh, that our giving has impact, Paul puts before us here. Number one, we see as we give generously, God generously blesses us. I mean, that's just clearly in the text. Over and over again, we see it in this very compact uh, text. Verse six, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And then verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. I mean, clearly what Paul is saying over and over again here is as we give generously, God will generously bless us. This is a really incredible and actually quite unique promise in the scriptures. It's, it's very unique. There are a lot of promises in the scriptures, but none of them have, well, very few of them have this so clear of a direct cause and effect link to them. What I mean by that is because of actions that we will do, the scriptures say, then there will be a promise involved. Very few promises in scriptures have that kind of direct link. There's another very unique promise in the scriptures. Maybe you've, you know the command, honor your father and mother. Well, sometimes in the scriptures it says, such that it will go well with you. As you honor your father and mother, it may go well with you and you may have long life. It's another kind of cause and effect type promise based on our actions. Well, here is another unique case where the scriptures say, well, here's a direct link. And it's like, this is just trying to be drilled home by Paul. He's saying over and over again, look, in just a few verses, he says, as you give generously, God will generously bless you. Paul uses the farming metaphor here. And essentially what he's saying is the more you scatter your wealth, the more you will gather it. But the more you with, with, uh, hold on to it, the more it will dissipate. Uh, how can that be? Well, think of farmers, right? The more farmers scatter their seed, the more that they will have in a return, the more that they will reap. And keep in mind that what they do reap, what they do harvest, comes back to them in better form, right? The seeds don't come back as seeds. The seeds come back as harvest, things that they're able to eat, things that they're able to sell, whatever it might be. And in the same way, what we see here, spiritually wise people realize that their money is actually seed. And the only way for it to turn into real riches is to just give it away in remarkable proportions. Now, what we're not saying here is the more you give, the more God will give you money in return. Or the more you give, uh, you know that car you've been eyeing? Well, he's going to give you that. 
Uh, that's what we call the prosperity gospel. That's, that's, that's what we call false teaching in the scriptures. Uh, the, te- the, the scriptures do not teach, hey, if you give, then your life will be easier or your life, you know, that, that health situation you're facing, God will heal that, just, just give. And then that, that's not what the scriptures are teaching. Uh, what the scriptures are teaching, what they do teach, and what Paul is, is saying here is the more we give away and the more we invest wisely in God's kingdom work, whether that's giving to the church, whether that's giving to programs, it's giving to ministries, organizations that are meeting physical and spiritual needs. The more we do that, the more money becomes real wealth, the real wealth of changed lives in other people and the real wealth of spiritual health in ourselves. Uh, Jesus put it this way. He said very famously, seek ye first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What was he saying there? He was saying, if you seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness, God is going to take care of you with all your needs, with all, all that you need. And, and actually, Paul is pressing it further. He's saying, and, and it's going to be abundance. God is going to bless you, take care of you. And boy, I could just share story after story of people that I know or have seen close in my life who have, who have sought God's kingdom first in all their areas of life, whether it's relationships, whether it's their work and in their finances in particular, as we're talking about today, and God has just taken more than taken care of them. For instance, when I was a little guy, my parents decided to start a church in Berkeley on a shoestring with five of us kids at the time, one was in college. And it's back then when it's like they didn't really have the means to do that, but they felt God was calling them to do that. So they parachute dropped in Berkeley, which is not known for being a place of starting a church. People came up to him and said, you must have the gift of faith because really that's like, I mean, no joke. People would say that's like, and I'm a little kid, like, woo, cool. And, you know, but my parents were saying, you know what, we're going to follow God and trust that he's going to take care of us. And I, I won't get into all the stories. There's so many stories I can start sharing with you. But one of those being how when we were looking for a home, which we couldn't afford, you know, my, we were looking at all these homes. One was like straight up on a slant. The whole home, the, what we could afford was just like, everything was like walking the house. We dropped a marble. And in schools that, I'm not making this up, were like in the news at the time for stabbings and stuff like that. It was like, it was a crazy time. We're like looking for a place. And all of a sudden, the Lord just opened up a home in a nice little place with nice schools, whatever, all the, all the rest of it. The guy had heard that my dad was a pastor. They were starting a church and he just decided to knock off a couple hundred thousand dollars from the home price. Like, I'm, you know, I'm sharing this real quickly, but I got, I got to tell you living, seeing that, witnessing that. I'm just like, if you seek God's kingdom first, he's going to take care of you. He's going to take, I could tell you, we could talk about the story of how we ended up in the, in the community center, the senior center over there. I won't get into all the details of that, but we got the team together when we realized we needed a new space. We looked at how much space we'd need for an auditorium to fit enough people, kids' space, parking, all the rest of it. We, you know, kind of laughingly looked at a budget and we're like, we couldn't afford anything back then. Sent the team out and everybody came back like, this is going to be a miracle. We talked to everybody in all these places, hotels, schools, even bars. We're like, where can we get in there? And every, even the bars weren't, we couldn't do it. Like, it's like all of this, we did an outreach. Because we figured, you know, hey, we, we want to do this the way God's called us to do. We have little funds, so let's, let's do an outreach with those little funds. The, the, the facility stuff, hopefully God will work that out, okay? So we, we did an outreach. We did a Friendsgiving, invited, you know, neighbors and coworkers and all that. We're just like, let's just do something in the community. And it's actually out of that outreach that the guy who happened to be there kind of sitting in and like letting us into the place was actually the head facility guy for the city of Mountain View. 
It was the one time, and we've actually worked with them a lot since then, that the person he had scheduled for that night didn't show up. So he came, and he heard a couple of us on the team like talking about, could we use this space? It was way too small. We couldn't have used it. We're actually even walking around a tool shed, and there's like open saws. Right? Can we use this for kids' space? Probably can't do that. We didn't know the saws were there until after. We, then we said no kids' space. And we're like, and he heard us like having these conversations. He's like, you guys should check out the senior center, this new space over across town. And you know, it's funny. Nobody wants it or even looks at it because it has. It's a senior center. I'm like. That may have been us. We may have written it off for that reason. We saw it. It was beautiful. And the detail was not lost on us that the Lord happened to, to, to make that available to us through an outreach. I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. It wasn't that the team sat down like, okay, how do we... We tried that route. Nothing opened up. I could tell you story after story of friends who've put their faith in Jesus. I had a buddy. I, was, I got to hear his story uh, recently. A good friend of mine. I didn't know this. He put his faith in the Lord as an adult. He talked about how after he put his faith in the Lord, he was like, okay, I, I, know, I, I know God wants me to give and give to the church and, and different things like that. And so I started to do that. I thought it was the weirdest thing. I didn't know how it worked. But, but then God just started blessing me in all these ways. And it's crazy. I was just, we could just talk about story after story. Jesus says... Seek ye first God's kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Our text says, so, and so, so generously, and you will also reap generously. But notice it also says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. It seems to me that we often don't sow generously or sow our resources, give away generously, because we typically are stuck in one of two mindsets. We're stuck in either the greedy mindset, if you will, and the scarcity mindset. The greedy mindset is, I just need more. I just need better. I just need greater. You know, mine, mine in that sense. The scarcity mindset says, I, 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 don't, I won't have enough. I need to ensure that I have enough. Mine, mine in, in that sense. But what this text is saying is, when we give, God will generously bless you. And you know what? In Christ, Christian friends, we have greater than we could ever dream of. And in Christ, we have more than enough that we would ever need. And in verse 8, Paul says this. It comes out in our English. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound. That's a wonderful verse. It has so many rich thoughts in there. But even that first little phrase here, God is able to bless you abundantly, can't translate all that well into our English. It actually comes across really clunkily <laughs> in, in the original Greek. Uh, it, it's, Paul is saying with these few words, God is able to uh, bless you abundantly. He's saying God is able to, in an all-encompassing way, uh, give you an overabundance of grace. Overly abound you in grace is what he's saying. It's just, it's just, I've heard it said this way. Perhaps you have too. You can't outgive God. God is so gracious, so, so loving, and he's going to take care of your needs and mine as we, as we give. And this text is, is warning us as it is also inviting us into don't miss out. Uh, give generously such that God will bless you. And you know what? It's the spirit of, it almost feels the spirit in, in which this is being said is, is and, and give it a go. See what happens. You know, try it out. It's like as if God is saying, give it and just and watch it happen. Give generously and I, and I will bless you. That's the first thought. When we give, uh, the impact of it is God, God will generously uh, bless us. And, and then number two, as we give generously, God is praised. Uh, look at verse 11. Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, it will also overflow in many expressions of thanks to God. Verse 13, because of your generosity, others will praise God. As you and I give generously, God is praised. Now, we might be tempted to feel, I like the first point better. 
You know, as we give generously, God will give to us. That, that sounds kind of cool. And this idea of as we give, God will be praised, that's kind of a nice sentiment, but how does that really play out? And how is that, that better? Well, friends, it's actually infinitely better. This is, this is the cool point, that God is praised when we give. I mean, really it kind of boils down to what is life ultimately about? It's a question we all have to ask we all have to wrestle with, we all have to draw our own conclusions to. The Bible teaches, obviously, that life is ultimately about God. It's not ultimately about us. The world doesn't revolve around us. It revolves around the Lord. He's our creator. He's our provider. He's our sustainer. The Westminster a Shorter Catechism uh, says it like this. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The main purpose is just to to enjoy him and, and worship him, glorify him. Now, most Americans believe in God. Uh, there's just this idea of we have to come from somewhere. Most Americans right now, at least polling across the states, believe that there, there has to be something out there. There's, there's, there's a God. But even if you don't believe in God, let's just say for the sake of, of the logic of this, even if you don't believe in God, I think we all, wherever we're coming from, whether that perspective, Christian, religious, non-religious, whatever, I think we all fundamentally come to it from the perspective of life is a gift, we all understand that life is good. We didn't earn our way into existence. We didn't earn our way into the family that we grew up into, the personality, whatever it might be, the, the, the talents that we were just naturally born with. Life is a complete and utter gift. And if it is a gift, it seems to me part of our work in this is to give life to others. And that is what God is all about. It says God is the giver and supplier of all good things. Look again at verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and, the, and, and bread for, the, for, for food will also supply your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest for your, your righteousness. He is the supplier, which means, among other things, that God doesn't need our giving. If he is the ultimate supplier, if he, quote, owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as it says elsewhere in scripture, he doesn't need us to give back. It's not like, you know, he needs, he's waiting for us to give so that he can accomplish certain uh, uh, purposes. He doesn't need that. No, we give generously and in, in, in part, and in, in wonderful part, by way of worshiping God. When we give to him, we say, yes, you are the supplier. From you, all good things flow. And so therefore, first of all, I say thank you as I give. And I also, with this gift, say I trust you with this gift. This is me saying I, I worship you. And you know, not to spend too much time on this, but Jesus actually talked about this in, in, in stark terms. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And actually, the way he uses it, he talks about manna there. He, talk, he personifies money as an idol there. He's saying you can't serve both God and money. Money can easily be something, to use spiritual terms, we, we worship. Or it, it, maybe even more helpfully, it can reveal to us what it is we worship. What do we mean by that? Uh, listen to how uh, Tim Keller uh, breaks this down very insightfully in a book entitled, very aptly for the point we're making, the book's called uh, Counterfeit Gods. He said this, some people want lots of money as a way to control their world and life. And such people usually don't spend much money and they live very modestly. They keep it all safely saved and invested so that they can feel completely safe in the world. Others want money for access to social circles. And to make themselves beautiful and attractive, these people do spend their money on themselves in lavish ways. Other people 
uh, want money because it gives them uh, so much power over others. And in, in every case, money functions as an idol or something we use to worship something. And, and yet, because of various deep idols, it results in very de- different patterns of behavior. The person using money to serve a deep idol of control will often feel superior to others and use money to obtain power or social approval. In every case, however, money idolatry enslaves and distorts lives. Let's bring this home, okay? There was uh, one of the CEOs in the area, formerly CEO of VMware, now the CEO of uh, Intel, Pat Gelsinger, uh, in an interview a few years back said, if you look at the data, the Silicon Valley is essentially the richest part of the U.S., I mean, according to certain measures. And yet, at the same time, it falls near dead last in per capita charitable giving. I mean, you think about that. We are essentially the richest while also simultaneously the most miserly. And I don't care if you're religious, non-religious, you've got to wrestle with that thought. I mean, because I think a lot of us buy into this myth that we come here to the Silicon Valley to change the world. But what Pat Gelsinger is is just quietly challenging us on is maybe we're not coming here to change the world so much as we are coming to change our pockets. Money is a way for us to use it to praise our Heavenly Father and, and, and say, thank you, I trust you, and I want to be about what you're about. And it's a way that we, that, we, that we worship him. Have you ever had a friend for any number of years, and you've just been friend through just kind of the nor, normal interactions that whatever that friendship has been, but then there came a time where you were just, you know, you needed help and they helped you financially, or maybe they just gave you an incredible, incredibly thoughtful and generous gift, and it's just like in, in that moment, in this generous gift, you're like blown away, or when they took care, it's like, whoa, this friendship is a lot more than I realized it was. And I'm not talking like the, they, they bought your friendship with that, you know, <laughs> purchase or whatever it is. It's not about the amount. It's the, it's the thought. It's the generosity. It's the, let's say the word, sacrifice of that. You realize that that friendship was a lot deeper and really true. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, so is your heart also. And when we give to the Lord, we're saying, Lord, I, I trust you. I, well, I want to give you my life. I want to give you my relationship. I want to give you my, my service. But I also want to trust you with, with money, too, our finances that you have entrusted to me to steward. And first and foremost, just return back to you saying thank you, and but also to join you in, in your work. Um, it's not about the amount. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart behind it. The famous story there is Jesus and the widow who had the mites came in with just a few coins to the temple, offered an offering of just a couple of coins, just hardly anything in that society then. And Jesus looked at it, and he looked at all the others who almost certainly were giving larger amounts. They were giving larger amounts. And he said, look, look," he said to his disciples, you see that woman? All the others gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty gave everything. It's not about the money. Excuse me, it's not about the amount Again, God is the sustainer. He's the supplier. He doesn't need our money. It's about the thought, the worship, the sacrifice. Uh, There's the the first two thoughts. As we give generously, God blesses us. God is praised. And then the third and final thought here is as we give generously, we get to join God in his work. Look at all the so that's in this text. Verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that... In all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will, be, you will abound in every good work. 
Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Paul is affirming what the scriptures have taught from the very beginning, going all the way back to Genesis 15, where when God called a people unto himself, Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you in order that you would be a blessing. You see, God wants to bless us, but he doesn't want to bless us so that we just enjoy it, enjoy it and hold it on to ourselves. He wants to bless us in order us to be conduits of his blessing. And that's what Paul is saying here is we get to join him, not just in any work, but in his eternal work. It's as Jesus said elsewhere, in, into, we get to invest in things where they're going to last forever. Moth and rust can't destroy the things that when we join with him in, in his work, which is to say, think of it this way, what is your greatest accomplishment in life? Like what's something you're just super proud of? Maybe you have a patent to your name. Maybe you've, you know, I know a few of you have been on like the, the founding, you're founding members of, of, the, of a startup or two, or some of you, it's with your kids, some of you, it's like with a project, whatever it is. Like, what are you most like proud of, your accomplishment? What Paul is saying here, what the scriptures say is whatever it is that we've accomplished in life, hey, that's it's wonderful and good, but it can't compare to what the Lord wants to do in and through you for, for the sake of eternity your relationships, through your service, and here, more specifically, through your resources that he's entrusted to you, that he asks you to steward. It seems to me that the way that God has set all of this up has so much beauty and wisdom involved. I mean, look at verse 14. He says to the Corinthian church, and their prayers, meaning the prayers of, of the church in Jerusalem, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Uh, this is a, a phenomenal thought, but Paul is saying, as you give to the Jerusalem church, as you meet this need, something incredible is going to happen. You're not just going to meet a need. Your hearts are going to be knit together. They're going to start praying for you. They're going to start caring about you. You're going to care more about them because you're not just kind of invested. You're really actually literally invested. There's just going to be this beautiful relationship that almost is more beautiful because of the finances involved, even as it's not ultimately about the finances. I wish I could take you all on these trips that I get to go to visit partner churches that have come alongside Current from the earliest of days. We have a number of partner churches out there that just decided, hey, they wanted to invest in us through prayer, through sending some teams, and also financially, such that maybe we could start a church in this expensive area of the Silicon Valley. If not for God working in these churches, we would not be here. But I wish I could take you to these, these churches when I go visit them, especially now because I'm going and giving a report. And uh, sometimes I'll be on the stage like kind of sharing and just like this is some of the amazing things that God has been doing, sharing stories, whatever it might be. And I'll have people come up to me after the message. I'll come to, I'll come, come to the side of the room and people will have tears in their eyes. I don't even yet know their names. I'll have tears in, my eyes, in their eyes and they'll say, David, I, I got to tell you, you are such a direct answer to prayer. Hearing what Current is doing, that church is an answer to prayer. We've been praying for years that we would see God work in that area. You, you, tears in their eyes. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, man, I wish, I wish you guys could have conversations with these folks. We might not be able to have these conversations this life right now. But we're going to be having some fun conversations in the next life and be like, man, Lord, you use them to help us be here and meet this need over here. We never got to even know each other. It's incredible. And now the Lord is so graciously allowing us to start to do that with others. 
And it's not like we're now moving into a cool position. It's just, no, it's just the beauty of, of receiving and giving. It's all because of God. It's all for God, which is actually really the main point here. When we ultimately get down to this, why is any of this possible? It's because we follow a giving God. Verse 15 is the conclusion. He really drives it home. He says, uh, sorry, lost my notes here. Totally lost it. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We can do all this. All of this is possible because we follow a giving God. And of course, this is the link to Christmas. That God sent his son, not just out of his heavenly palace and throne, where he could have anything he wanted at any point, at any time, into this world. And by the way, not only did he send his into this world to such poverty, because Jesus lived a very poor life, none of that compares to what the indescribable gift truly was in that he ultimately sent his son on the cross to give us his life, to give us everything, such that when you put your faith in him, when you receive him by faith, he will give you eternal life. Maybe you've heard the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's the indescribable gift, and it really is a gift. That's, that's what's so cool about this. It's not something you or I can earn. We can't make our way back to God. But Jesus on the cross died for the sins of the world that if we put our faith in, we could receive this freely offered gift back into relationship with God. And so, to me, it seems the main point of this text, of our text today, is because God gives generously, we get to give generously together. Because God gave and gives, we get to give generously, and we get to do it together. And really, that's what Impact 2022 is all about, that we get to give together. It's this end-of-year initiative that we've been doing from the earliest of days. Man, the earliest of days, if you've come to a welcome lunch recently, you know this, but in the earliest of days, that first Christmas, we launched in September of 2016, and then Christmas came up, and we were really ex externally funded at that point, okay? It's just like everything was super humble beginnings and all that sort of thing, but we came up to Christmas, and we realized, you know what? If we're going to, if we're going to Start this thing the, the, the way we mean to go. We need to do an initiative to raise funds to meet needs outside, that go beyond the walls of current. We'd love to do that. It didn't make sense on paper as we're totally externally funded, but we're like, let's start the way we mean to go. This is all faith exercise anyways. Let's do that. So we made a, a goal of $10,000 and we brought in $8,700 that first year and we were ecstatic. That was so <laughs> exciting that first year. But friends, last year, God, through you, through the church family, gave 135000 internally. And there's some more that came in from another partner outside, such that we are able to increase our impact outside these walls for ministries like, like the one that you just got to hear today. It was such a gift having Alicia on the stage. Oh, my goodness. We hope. You know, I, I leaned over to Joshua, uh, her husband, while you were talking. Because, you know, you know when we introduced her, everybody just kind of got a little extra happy. Alicia! Like, we love Alicia. This isn't in my notes, Alicia. But this kind of goes to the point of, like, when we get to partner together, there's a love beyond just the, like... And actually, the first thing you said when you came into our prayer circle this morning is, I feel like I know everybody. It's like... And it's just like, oh, man, I'm getting the feels even as I say that. But that's all God's goodness, his beauty, his wisdom. It's not about the amount of money. It's not about this or that. It's just that God is praised, and God's work is going forward. And it's just like, we get to do this. It's like, pinch me, you know? 
You know, I, we have some others we could throw up on the screen. We got to partner with Foster the City. You know what really excites me? I got to hold myself together emotionally. What really excites me about uh, we hope, just these key partners are Foster the City being one of the partners that we've been going back for years now, is we're now at the place, by God's grace, to start giving in ways that hopefully will impact kind of planning. Like up until this point, we've been giving kind of more like the one-off, one-time gifts. And that's really because of humble beginnings. It's like, okay, here's a one-time gift we can kind of give. <laughs> Hopefully that can, that can help. But really that's the widow's might. God can use that. He multiplies that. But now hopefully we can start to give. We, we gave to foster the city, same as we gave to... Um, or are beginning to give to, to We Hope Now at the amount of 15000 a year for the next three years. So that's, that's really exciting. I guess, I guess we've, we also started doing that with, a, with our first church plant this year, City Center Church in Berkeley. Ray Hudson and team, family, oh man, they are awesome. They're doing wonderful things. You know what excites me about that? We're giving them uh, 10000 a year for the next three, three years. Uh, what's really exciting about that is now it's come full circle that we're now starting to give to churches in a way that churches have given to, had given to us. And it's just like, man, like, I can't tell you how exciting that is. Uh, we gave out of response to the crisis in India of COVID this last year. You know what I love? Church family, it makes me so proud to be a part of something like this with, with you all. Look at verse 11 one more time. I'm sorry, this won't be on the screen. It says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And it will result in the thanksgiving of God. One of the things I love about doing things this way is if and when a disaster strikes, we are able to respond immediately by God's grace. We don't have to like, okay, hey, here's this disaster just happened. Let's pray and let's raise funds. and let's, No, we're able to send, by God's grace, for instance, with India, a gift of, of $20,000 to get them oxygen tanks like right away and ventilators. You guys know the story if you, you were here for that. Fun story there. This last week, I got... Indian food near the uh, current headquarters. I hadn't been to this little Indian restaurant that's kind of my go-to place next to the, the headquarters for like two years. So, so it's been crazy. I know the guy there. He knows me, a uh, Christian Indian guy named Vijay. He knows, he always said, hey, Pastor David, come on. It's, all, it's fun, you know. I was asking him how the business was going. And, and at one point, he said, David, David, do you know what's happening in India right now? And I, I didn't really know what he was referring to. I said, tell me. He said, David, millions of Indians are putting their faith in Jesus. I said, what? He said, it's true. I don't know. I don't know if you call it a revival or what, but just, I just, I'm hearing reports coming out of India from all my family and friends. Millions of Indians are putting their faith in Jesus. And I'm sitting there like, I get the, the chills because that was our prayer. Now I'm not saying it's because current gave and because it doesn't matter that, but that was our prayer that God would use the, the resources of the ventilators, the oxygen, but that he would also have the gospel break through. And the Lord is just doing so, so many wonderful things. We could share more stories. In fact, over the next few weeks, we'll, we'll try to share them with you because, hey, it's fun to get excited. It's fun to get inspired. But really, these are God's stories that we just want to reflect back and celebrate and praise him through. But today, I want to conclude our time together by inviting you into the, the, this year-end initiative, this Impact 2020. Hopefully, on your seat, when you came in, you got a card. And it'll just share some of the information. By the way, on the back, you can see ways to give and find more information. We obviously can't include all of the information on a, on a little card. Uh, and so, you know, this is just meant to kind of give you a little, little taste of what, what God was doing. Um, you can see our goal there, very God-sized goal, is $150,000. We're really excited about that. Um, but here's the, here's the application verse, and I'm, I'm going to breeze through this. 
Verse 7, which is one verse here in this text that we kind of skipped over until now. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Three real quick thoughts of points of application. Number one, God loves a cheerful giver, meaning if you feel any sense of spiritual guilt or like pressure right now, do not give. God wants a cheerful giver. That's some of the beauty of this. If, you, if you're feeling strong-armed or any of that, don't give. God, God doesn't need it to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But hopefully it'll be cheerful. To, we see this as a get-to, but we want to put that opportunity before you. Number two, each of you should give what you decide in your heart to give. Meaning Paul is encouraging the church to think about it, pray about it. For those of you who are married, you talk it over with your spouse. And I, I, you know, remember this is first and foremost worship. So I'd take it to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you know, how, how what might amount might you want us to give? I mean, how, and are we cheerful about it and all the rest of it? And then number three, notice that the implication very clear here is that we get to give together. He says, each of you ought to think about this and pray about this. Each of you. And kind of the aggregate makes the sum of the church. And that's really special. Because as we give, we could all give kind of in different ways. And by the way, this text is not saying don't ever do that type thing. But it's saying as we give together, people will see that it's a church giving. Draw the connections, connect the dots, and realize that it is God through the church. And they will praise him. We don't do this so that current gets a name brand. Oh, that's a culture. We don't care about that. But if people see God giving through the church and that they give him praise for that, that's what we're about. That's what we want to be about. And so in these ways, Paul encourages us, each of us, to think about giving. And so again, our, our God-sized goal is 150000 this year. If you feel led to give cheerfully, we'd love to have you join us on that. It'd be fun to exceed that amount. Um, but that's, that's our goal as we, as we look to give. You know, that's 15 times more than what we set out to try to do that first year. God is so good to even be able to think about this. Um, but that's, that's, that's our, our hope. That's our goal. You can visit the website and, and give there. Uh, would, you, would you prayerfully join us in giving towards these efforts to increase our impact beyond these walls? Um, and I'll just say, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I just, it, it's so wonderful that we, we get to give. Because God first gave us, we can so give uh, in, in response to who he is and what he's done. Uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we, we, we really do thank you for this indescribable gift. It really is indescribable. We can't put to words how wonderful it is that you sent your son to die for us, to bring us back into your family. Words do not suffice. We sing, we pray, but we say thank you, and we give you praise. And Father, today we commit Impact 2022 uh, 20 to you and to your work. We recognize that you don't need our resources to have impact, but you invite us uh, into giving for the sake of, of, of your blessing, your worship, and, and for your work to be accomplished. Uh, we pray that whatever you stir in the hearts of, of, of our church to give, that, that you would use it towards eternal impact. Lord, because of the giving uh, this year, would many people come to find you and put their faith in Jesus? Because of the giving this year, would many people have their lives changed and physical needs met? Would you strengthen church plants? Would you strengthen ministries in helping the homeless, foster children, those trafficked, refugees? We ask that this would all be done for your glory. We pray it in the name of Jesus, the one who gave us his all. Amen. <laughs>